This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, November 2nd. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, public health monitors seasonal respiratory illness, county talks Lawson Hill Connector Trail, built on bones, changes the narrative on Shakespeare's witches and a mountain weather forecast. San Miguel County Public Health is urging the community to prepare for winter. I feel like it's the marching drum right now, um, but the best way to prepare for the winter and really um, protect those around you is to be up to date with flu vaccines as well as the updated Omicron booster. That's San Miguel County Public Health Director Grace Franklin presenting before the San Miguel Board of County Commissioners on Wednesday. There's been lots of conversations, right, um, about when is the right time to get Um, the updated booster. Anyone is eligible two months from their primary series or last booster. um, um, Anybody's eligible after two months. Um, And this one has additional components to it that will help protect against this Omicron subvariant for the public health standpoint um, from a population level. If we can get everybody up to date with those boosters um, before the holiday season, we'll be in a much better place as a whole. The recommendation comes as public health also monitors an increased level of respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV. According to the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, there were 42 RSV outbreaks reported statewide in October, more than double the number from 2021. And case numbers are putting a strain on Colorado's pediatric health care system. While RSV can infect anyone, symptoms are typically more severe in infants. Symptoms for RSV include a stuffy or runny nose, sneezing and coughing, fever, decreased appetite, and difficulty breathing. At the same time, COVID cases and hospitalizations across Colorado are also going up. There's been a substantial drop in testing and a notable rise in cases and hospitalization. Over the last two weeks, there's been about a 20% increase in cases. In San Miguel County, there is currently only one reported active COVID case, but Franklin notes that doesn't accurately represent the disease burden in the county. It only recognizes individuals who have reported their positive test to public health. And it skews the data on public health's COVID dashboard. As such, public health is making a shift and letting go of one of the remaining vestiges from the height of the COVID pandemic. This Friday, um, we will no longer be updating the county COVID dashboard, but rather um, in the interim right now on that dashboard link, we will be linking to the two state database um, information points um, that we have found the most useful. Um, Those two pieces will be the Colorado State Dial page And that's where you can find um, these metrics of the incidence rate, positivity, and hospitalizations. Because we definitely want to keep watching out for all of these trends, but recognize the utility of it. And then the second one will be linking to the wastewater data, as that gives that um, at least a regional uh, or regionalized um, surveillance of disease burden. Over the next month, public health will move relevant data from the COVID website to the county's general public health page. Lawson Hill is working to get a connector bike path between the Lawson Hill intercept lot, or park and ride, and the bike path underpass on Highway 145. But the neighborhood needs some help. 
when we started this project, we really thought Lawson Hill could build it, and we're not even considering grant money. <clears throat> Once the bids came in, the price was um, considerably higher than we anticipated and started considering what options there might be for grants. That's Pam Hall with the Lawson Hill HOA, speaking before the San Miguel Board of County Commissioners this week. Lawson Hill is looking to get a grant from the Colorado Department of Transportation to help fund the project. In total, it will cost somewhere between $500,000 and $650,000. The problem, Lawson Hill can't apply for the grant itself. Here's San Miguel County Manager Mike Bordonia. It would need to be um, fall under the county. Um, not They don't fund private HOAs, but they do provide funding. Bordonia notes it's not typical for the county to partner with a private HOA on a specific project, but he adds the bike path would fulfill regional and county goals as well. In my mind, the, what sets this project apart from others is that it does serve the intercept lot, which was is the county's property managed and operated by SMART. It, that serves a regional transit function. Um, it does connect residents from the town of Telluride to the commercial uh, areas of Lawson. And also, um, obviously, it's a primary benefit to the residents of Lawson, but it is definitely not exclusively a benefit to them. There's a lot of regional uh, benefit to commuters as well as pedestrians, bikers, and it does support the county's mission of trying to encourage um, non-motorized uh, connectivity to essential community services. Hall adds the project is ready to go once they can get the necessary funds. We're pretty much turnkey at this point. It's already been engineered, it's already been designed, and it's already been bid out. So we're kind of just trying to figure out how to pay for it. The county commissioners are in support of the path. Here's Commissioner Lance Waring. This is an obvious and clear danger, if you will, mm -hmm. to try to get on a bicycle from the underpass to Lawson Business Park and beyond. Um, I think that this is something that Lawson, I know that this is something that the Lawson Hill POC has been intending to do for many years and that this opportunity is when we should jump on. The application for the state transportation grant won't be open until next year. The next step is to get the trail on the statewide transportation plan, indicating its importance and significance for the community. Emily Scott Robinson is a rising star in the Americana music scene, and she calls the San Juan Mountains of Southwest Colorado home. Signed to John Prine's Oh Boy Records, Robinson is out with a new album, Built on Bones, which shares songs created for Telluride Theater's 2021 Shakespeare in the Park production of Macbeth. Robinson sat down with KOTO News to talk about the new album and changing the narrative on Shakespeare's witches. Emily Scott Robinson, your new album, Built on Bones, recently came out. For folks who maybe have not heard the album, can you share what this project is? Yes, Julia, it's so good to be here with you talking about this project. This is a song cycle for the witches of Shakespeare's Macbeth. Um, and we did this Shakespeare in the Park production last summer, so summer of 2021, um, and uh, Colin Sullivan, the director, asked if I would write songs for the witches in the show. And what we really wanted to do was, like, counteract the sort of infamous curse on the Scottish play. 
<laughs> with some good magic. And uh, I have always wanted to write for theater. So I was really excited about the idea. It was just such a magical experience. And the audiences responded so powerfully to that music. And so... At the time, I was pretty busy releasing my last album, <laughs> um, which came out about a year ago. Uh, and I was touring, but so I, I didn't really have the bandwidth to, to conceptualize putting out another, um, another record. And so I got through all the touring for the year, and these songs were just still kind of pulling at me. <laughs> they were just kind of, I was singing them. People were still talking to me about them. Uh, and so I went to my label, and they were really intrigued and excited about the project. And they immediately said yes. And uh, it's six songs for the Witches of Macbeth, and it's in three-part harmony. And it sort of takes you through the show. The first song that you'll hear, and also the title track of the record, is Built on Bones, which is the famous prophecy that the witches deliver. Um, and so you're listening to um, them foretell what's happening. Everything here is built on bones, and men will do as they're foretold. Everything here is built on bones, everything, everything, everything. These are the songs from Macbeth. You, When you think of this show, A, very much a tragedy. The witches are not really the good characters. No. It, I mean, some of, I guess there's a lot of not good characters in the show Macbeth, but there's some of the not good ones. And so when you're thinking of this album, you know, are you thinking in the lens of, like, evil darkness or you know kind of as you said trying to flip that narrative a little bit or a little bit of a mix of both it was a little bit of a mix of both if you look at the traditional um way in which the witches are interpreted in Macbeth, they're they're usually really they're, they're constantly referred to in the text as being ugly and sinister and and gross and <laughs> old and hags and and so um we had we decided to um, have a different portrayal of them. Um, we made them younger. We made them um, more powerful and mysterious and a little sexier. Um, and we do traditionally attribute the, like some of the darker magic of the play uh, to the witches. There's this question looming over that play. Um, is who is who is driving who? Is it Lady Macbeth? Is it Macbeth? Is it the witches? Are they delivering this prophecy that becomes self-fulfilling? Uh, are they just foretelling the future? Um, and I love that question. So we really leaned into that question and we involved them even more in the magic of the play. And it was actually about reflecting that the women in those roles had the same capacity as um, as the men or the humans in their roles in Macbeth, um, the same capacity for light and dark, for good and evil. Um, and it was actually about pulling the witches out of that sort of superstitious realm and back more into the human realm, um, but still creating um, and maintaining space for the magical elements that they bring to the play. What was it like writing music that at some points directly draws on the text, incorporates the text, but is always influenced and guided by the story and the text. What was that process of writing like for you? It was really fun and really generative and pretty easy, actually, for me. I 
I just had a lot of fun playing with what was already there. There's so much to work with in Shakespeare. <laughs> you know, in that show, there's um, there is ambition and greed. There's love. There's loyalty. There's questions about alliances and and loyalty and power, um, lust, desire, um, grief, despair, <laughs> revenge. There's so much in that show already that it it, it just there was such a rich text to draw from. Um, and really, most of the songs are not very Shakespearean sounding. Um, so we use the text as a jumping off point. And I wrote more modern sounding songs or just really just like a modern English, but that still feels a little bit ancient in some ways. Track three is probably my favorite. It's called Double Double. <laughs> and there are a lot of pretty famous lines from this show. Double Double Toil and Trouble is one of them. That's the witch's brew. It's their recipe for, um, for the potion they're making. The first verse is taken from the text. And then the rest of it, actually, all the witches and I sat in a little workshop and we all came up with ideas of things that felt um, magical or spooky or witchy to us. <laughs> so it was a group effort to write that song. The songs were, were built for a production that was actually happening. It was built for the play of Macbeth. But if you listen through, as you said, without knowing the story necessarily, you still hear this. You can hear an arc and hear a story just throughout it. Mm -hmm. As an artist, is there anything that you hope listeners take from or maybe that you see as kind of this through line for this collection of six songs themselves kind of having them exist outside of the space that they were created in you know our biggest intention with this was to uh was to create a body of work uh to give the witches voice uh, that they did not have in the time at which they were being written about right so um this play was written under king james the first who um quite famously was like very fascinated by and also terrified by witchcraft and the occult. He wrote demonology. He um, was really involved in the witch trials. Um, and those were really about arresting, imprisoning, torturing, and murdering women who um, did not fit into the Christian patriarchy. So women who were healers and seers and teachers, women who held power. Um, and so we wanted to create something that was healing and to give voice to those women who didn't have it then. Um, and so when I'm going to give a shout out to the two women who I featured on this project, um, they're both amazing artists. One is Lizzie Ross. Um, she's, she's in the duo Violet Bell. And the other is Alisa Amador, who just won the NPR Tiny Desk Contest. Um, so they're both good friends of mine. They were my two witches who recorded the project with me. 
when we gathered together in Nashville, we shared an Airbnb. <laughs> um, and we, before we would go into the studio every day, we would light a candle and we'd sit in a circle and we would, um, we would, we would set our intention for this work to be empowering, to be freeing, to send healing up through the lineage of women that we come from who are not free as we are, um, and also to send healing down through the line um, and out into the world. What's the tale of many moons as January's melted juices, shadows lengthen afternoons, rising, falling, men and moons. I'm Lou Scott Robinson. Thanks for coming in and congratulations on your new album built on bones that is out thank you with nothing at the end to show sound and fury rivers flood to wash the field of battles blood through lying oaths and hollow speech and steal the pierces each to each protect the fairies shield the crown and plant our hearts in sacred ground make sure to steer clear of the telluride ski resort for the rest of the week the ski area will be closed to all public access on thursday november 3rd and friday november 4th the closure is due to mandatory avalanche mitigation trainings. Each year, the Telluride Ski Resort and the U.S. Forest Service conduct training using howitzer cannons. Shrapnel from the cannons can be deadly as far as 1,500 feet away from the point of impact. Those in the area can expect to hear cannon fire from the ski resort during that time. San Miguel Power Association is looking for input from the community regarding proposed rate increases in 2023. For most residential consumers, SMPA notes, the increase would amount to $2 per month on the access charge or $24 annually above the current charge. SMPA is also proposing an additional $2 increase for outdoor lighting tariffs. The updated fees would go into place in January 2023. According to SMPA, the association is anticipating increased costs in the future due to inflation and costs surrounding fire mitigation, vegetation management, and large capital projects. SMPA officials say the increases serve as a shock absorber financial strategy, incremental fee increases to support the cooperative while protecting budget-conscious consumers. The SMPA board will discuss the fee increases at its November 15th meeting. The public is encouraged to attend and share their opinions on the proposed rates. The meeting will take place at the SMPA office in Nucla. Members can also participate via Zoom. Registration for the meeting is available at smpa.com. Colorado Parks and Wildlife is looking for support from the community in identifying the person who illegally killed a desert bighorn sheep off Highway 141 between Gateway and Grand Junction. According to CPW, wildlife officers responded to a call this week when a rock climber notified them a desert bighorn sheep had been shot and left off the highway. 
Officers found the animal and determined it had been shot at least 24 hours earlier. They recovered a rifle bullet from behind the shoulder of the ram, collected evidence from the scene, and are actively investigating the poaching incident. CPW officials note the ram was shot out of season and left to rot. Poaching in Colorado is a felony and can result in a lifetime suspension of hunting and fishing privileges. Convictions can also result in fines and jail time depending on the charge. CBW is asking the public for any information they have on the incident. Information can be sent to Kevin Duckett at kevin.duckett at state.co.us. Information can be provided anonymously by calling 877-265-6648 or emailing game.thief at state.co.us. Colorado House Minority Leader Hugh McKean died from a heart attack over the weekend. He was 55 years old. McKean was found dead in his Loveland home on Sunday morning. He was reportedly feeling unwell the night before. McKean was first elected to the state's legislature in 2016 and served as minority leader in the Colorado House for the last two years. The Republican first entered politics on the Loveland City Council in 2009. In a statement, Governor Jared Polis called Representative McKean, quote, a family man and a true public servant. A committee made up of Republicans from his district will choose his replacement. The National Park Service is attempting to control invasive fish species in the Colorado River downstream of the Glen Canyon Dam. For KNAU in Flagstaff, Melissa Sivany reports. Smallmouth bass have been slipping through the dam due to the low water levels. Last month, the Park Service poisoned a slough connected to the river where the fish had been found. The effort eliminated tens of thousands of exotic carp, but almost no bass were counted. Most likely, they had already escaped into the main channel. Park Service biologist Melissa Trammell says the agency will test the effectiveness of electrofishing over the next six weeks. We think elimination is unlikely, but we can greatly reduce their numbers in that reach, we think, and that would be helpful to avoid downstream dispersal of the smallmouth bass into the rest of the Grand Canyon. The Pueblo of Zuni has objected to electrofishing in the Colorado River in the past for cultural and spiritual reasons. I'm Melissa Sivany. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for snow showers tonight with a low around 30 degrees. Two to four inches of snow accumulation is possible. Thursday, there's a 100% chance of snow showers with a high near 35 degrees and a low around 15. 5 to 10 inches of snow accumulation is possible. Friday calls for partly sunny skies during the day with a high near 30 degrees. Friday night should be partly cloudy with a low around 15. This has been the news for Wednesday, November 2nd. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Attention parents with young children. Do you want to learn strategies for managing your child's challenging behavior and the developmental reasons behind it? Join Bright Futures, Wilkinson Public Library, and Telluride R1 School District on Wednesday, November 9th for a free parenting workshop all about challenging behavior. The workshop begins at 5.30 p.m. at the library. Dinner and child care will be provided, and Spanish translation will be available. See you at the library. 
Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues. <laughs>